0: All right, well, we just uh, chased Ryan out of the studio because he was talking (laughs) such nonsense about dream analysis. But we are going to get into sleep this morning, which I think is such an important thing. And we thought Monday, not only because it suits our guest, because she happened to have some time this Monday, which we're delighted about, but also because people come out of the weekend, they haven't rested properly, and then they're exhausted for the whole week, and they do crap work, and they are horrible to be around. And it's their fault. It's your fault, Leanne And then it
1: happens again the next weekend. So.
0: We've got Dr. Alison Bentley here. How are you, Doc?
2: Good morning. I'm well, thanks.
0: It's nice to see you. You've spent a lot of time in our studio recently, and we, like, we love having you here. So I hope well, It's you, a great pleasure. I hope you're happy to be back with us. I'm, I'm very happy to see you because sleep is obviously something which it's – become, it's become trendy to talk about again. I wonder how much of that has to do with Ariana Huffington, who wrote that book, Mm. which was a bestseller, and she's not a sleep specialist no, or anything. No. She's just a, a famous media person mm. uh, with a, st- a terrible accent, it has to be said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, it's uh, me. I don't have to tell to go to sleep. Anyway, she wrote that book and it yeah. went far and wide and it yeah. suddenly became trendy to think about sleep because now everyone is trying to be as optimal as possible, right? Mm. So and,
1: yeah, and, th- and things like sleep apnea weren't a thing on people's radars before. And now... You know, everyone knows what it is. Well, they didn't know what it was a few years ago.
0: There, there are. We, we've got to get into some of the stories that mm. you told me in brief. I mean, you, you, you hinted at this. You gleaned some of these topics when we were last talking in the passage here. I thought we've got to have you on for an hour, and we could talk about this stuff. But do you agree that it's become uh, acceptable and cool and interesting, and people are taking a, a, a huge amount of time mm. out of their day to think about getting the right amount of sleep? What kind of sleep? Yep. That sort of stuff. So it's made the stuff that you've spent your whole life working on. <laughs> suddenly all the rest of us have caught up.
2: Yep. Well, apparently. I mean, certainly when we started doing sleep, you know, thirty years ago. Um, so I was doing sleep medicine in nineteen ninety one and um and it was kind of, I was the only person doing anything yeah, Did they think you were a bit
0: cookie to do that back well, then? Well,
2: people were kind of going like, why are you doing sleep? Why don't you yeah. do like something that earns money, like ear, nose and throat surgery or ophthalmology yeah. or something yes. like that, you know? And it was, and I mean, I got into sleep by accident because I didn't want to do hypertension clinic. I mean, that's literally the reason. Right. Um, but when you when I got into sleep and started reading it, I went, this is like really amazing, you know, like really, really interesting stuff. So, well,
0: How much time are we, you say half your life maybe, sleeping? Well, it's,
2: you know, it's a third of your life. It's supposed to be a third of your life. But okay. I think one of the biggest, biggest myths about sleep is that, that normal is seven to eight hours of sleep. Like that is normal. I mean, if you go to, if you have your blood taken, no one goes, your sodium has to be 152. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like there isn't no. a normal, there's a range. Everybody has a range of everything. So sleep has a range. Well, it, was,
0: it was Churchill who said... Uh, eight hours of sleep is good enough. Uh, No, sorry. He said six Six hours hours of sleep sleep is good enough for a man. But then he napped. Seven for a woman and eight for a fool, (laughs) which means women to him were closer to fools. Closer to full fool than men. Yes.
2: (laughs) Yes. But, I mean, Margaret Thatcher famously had very little sleep. So did Napoleon. And there are lots of people who can't sleep more than four or five hours. I mean, that's just how they're genetically made. Um, Usually familial. So usually there's a father or a mom who also doesn't sleep a lot. But I mean we're looking at at what, what sleep actually is for, and that is it it's servicing this car. You know, that's right. that's the job. Is that's where you go into
0: maintenance every night.
2: Absolutely. You, you get do. put in the pits mm-hmm. and then they work on <laughs> They work, everything works. You know, the stuff works in the body and the stuff works in the brain, and so that you wake up the next morning ready for the day. And if you manage to get through your day well without I mean don't talk like just 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 getting through the day. But that you, you, you well during the day, you function well, then you've had enough sleep. And right. the number doesn't really matter that much as long as the daytime function is good.
0: All right. So let's just talk about what happens during sleep. You've spent years studying this stuff. Uh, why do we need to go to sleep in order for our bodies to repair themselves? Can't they just do that while we're on the go?
2: No, because it's like driving a car. I mean, if you you can't service the car while you're driving it. You kind of need to take it in and make it stop driving and actually take the parts apart. It's hopeless. Is there a way out of this hard. conundrum? Is there a way we could
0: spend that time <laughs> no. better?
2: No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. There actually isn't. I mean, and I think we know that now. And I, th- and I think you talk about like why it's suddenly become trendy is because, mm. it, again, in the 90s when we were doing this and we were looking at people with sleep apnea and they were trying to die in the middle of the night, and and there was a sense that people wouldn't listen, that that medical aides wouldn't listen, that the public wouldn't listen, the doctors wouldn't listen, and we kind of went, we've got to find a way this kills you, <laughs> otherwise, otherwise they won't take it you're seriously. They're going to take it seriously now. We know how it kills you, so that's the mm. that's the I think that's the change that's happened. It's become mainstream in cardiology, for example. That's it. Yeah, it's become mainstream in in, um, in so shift work has become a, has gradually become more and more important. As companies are trying to find an extra edge to make money, like how do we how do we do this? So, you know, companies start putting in an extra shift, for example, and finding that profits go down, and they kind of go, I don't know why that happens, and then went, oh, because actually the morning shift is spending instead of working on new stuff, is spending two or three hours fixing the mistakes from the night shift. Mm. <laughs> you know that yeah. kind of craziness. So, so I think it it has gained more kind of um, more kind of traction if you like but the thing about so, so I mean you ask the question like what why can't we do it when we're awake well firstly because one of the things we do is produce all the growth hormone that we do uh, the whole day is in the first hour of sleep and then when we produce that growth hormone there's kind of this cascade that happens through the body all the growth factors and all insulin growth factor and this happens and blah 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 and it all goes through and then everything kind of gets fixed in a physical kind of sense when we go into REM sleep REM sleep is amazing so what REM sleep does is disconnect the brain from the body completely. So sensation is kind of cut off. Sure. I mean, you can't really feel anything unless you have pain <clears throat> that's at pain tolerance. Then that'll nice. break through. But you, you can't feel anything and you're totally paralyzed. It's so like anesthetic. So the brain kind of gets to have this freedom that it never, ever has. Because everything the brain does when you're awake, there are consequences to that. But in REM sleep, there are no consequences at all. And so it just plays. <laughs>
0: what, what, what's running things? The autonomic system?
2: So, yeah, the autonomic system. brainstem? So, yeah, in, re- in REM sleep, you're often a bit like a lizard. So, I mean, if you're in a very hot environment, <laughs> your body temperature kind of goes up in REM sleep because you can't manage it well. We watch the heart rate go a little bit wonky. Mm. We watch the breathing go a little bit wonky during REM sleep. If you have apnea, it's mm. much, much worse in REM sleep. Um, because it's not controlled well. Um, The brain's busy doing other stuff, you know. It kind of just keeps everything, kind of almost says like to the environment, keep everything stable because I'm busy. Yeah. Right? I'm busy. Right. And that's when the flushing of the brain happens. So, you know, flushing out of toxins. So there's some work talking about, uh, you know, things that collect in the brain for Alzheimer's, for example, Mm. so that protein that collects that there is some some link towards sleep, that if you don't have a decent sleep and have that flushing of that protein out, then it starts accumulating. Right. So, you know, there's this refuse you end system, up talking uh, shit. refuse collection <laughs> yeah. that happens during REM sleep. Yeah. And then this memory consolidation that happens and putting, and dreams that happen, whatever those are, you know, so.
0: You mentioned that that's almost like defragmenting the hard drive. Well, it can be. Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly can is. be.
2: So I think the theories of dreams range from Freud, where every elephant, eagle, fish, flying, whatever, is of huge importance to your subconscious.
0: Yeah, but Freud also is convinced that everything was sexual. it well, yeah. do- was everything. as well. Yeah
2: to really a very much biological thing which is just defragging the computer like right. the brain is looking it's got memories to consolidate but to do that it has to open all the files and go where does this memory fit and how do i how do i connect it to other things it's got to open everything up and so that's why we get these strange dreams that are just really random possibly so i'm not going to like on air go they're all random and there's nothing important But, I mean, lots of people don't ever dream. I mean, if you're a good sleeper, you don't dream a lot. And then you kind of go, so what is my subconscious telling my conscious then? (laughs) Like, it's it's bored? Like, what? There's nothing?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: And And sometimes
0: uh, you have very lucid dreams, though. Yeah. Leanne has the most insanely intense dreams.
1: Mm. Mm. And since high school um, as well, something uh, that was called... To me it was known as hypnagogia mm. um where I'm I'm awake, my eyes are open, but I'm seeing things. Mm. Um, but really realistic. For instance, physically seeing that there is no toilet and I I walk to go and find another toilet mm. because I believe it's not there. Mm. Physically seeing a man on a horse in mm. <laughs> on my bed. I I've injured myself running away from things yeah. and you know, I've scrubbed floors in the middle of the night. <laughs> so have, so that kind
0: of thing, because this came up in our very brief conversation mm. the other day, uh, somnambulism and and, mm. and sleepwalking and people who have these extraordinary experiences, while they're basically unconscious.
2: Yeah. Mm. So there are two two main types of the, of the kind of weird things that happen at night. They're called parasomnias as a, as a group. Mm. But there's two groups, and one come out of this physical restorative sleep, and the other one comes, come out, the others come out of REM sleep or the, or the dreaming kind of sleep. So what you describe is, so if we look at REM sleep, it has these components, eye movements, obviously, because that's the rapid eye movements, and they're very distinctive when you see them on an EEG, very distinctive. So there's eye movements, there's sleep, there's paralysis, and there's dreams. And what should happen is they should all be coordinated to switch on together and coordinated to switch off. And every so often it doesn't work. So if you... It's if like someone you, didn't flip all the switches. Yes. Like there's one main switch, but lots of little switches, and sometimes it uh, it doesn't really work. So what you describe is that you wake up, so the wake up happens, the eyes stop, the paralysis stops, but the dream doesn't, and it just carries on a little wow. bit. okay. I had a patient with narcolepsy, which is a disorder of REM sure. sleep, and that happens, so REM sleep happens much faster than it does. And she would say she knew she was about to fall asleep because she saw the Irish lady. And I went, what do you mean the Irish lady? <laughs> she goes, there's this tall lady with red hair and a green dress and green eyes, and I call her the Irish lady. And so it was a dream, but she was she knew she was still awake, but she could see this, see mm-hmm. this lady. My God. But it explains sleep paralysis as well. So some people wake up um, and they're wide awake when they can't move.
1: Yeah, and they're just I've had that there, too. Yah. It's almost, you know, in the – In the alternative world, you would say it felt like a ghost was sitting on my chest.
2: Everyone everyone describes as something sitting on their chest, yes. They say that that's a thing. Um, but again, it can be just this mismatch that the, the paralysis just didn't switch off when, when everything else did. It's usually quite yeah. short, but it's the longest 15 seconds of your life. Exactly. <laughs> and
1: again, like anesthetic, we've heard of stories where certain um, aspects of the or functionality of the, of the anesthetic doesn't work. And you hear of people who are mm. paralyzed, but not numb. Mm. Oh, my mm. God. Yeah. And yes. experience the whole thing as if in real time. Yeah. We've got
0: some very specific questions here that I think are actually quite interesting because maybe they're the kinds of questions lots of us have but are embarrassed to ask. So Nico's not. He says, do your eyes roll back in in, your, in their sockets when you sleep?
2: No. No, they don't. I mean, they actually physically <laughs> the, can't.
0: The optic nerve is at the back. It would it be a bit of a disconnect. There would be a huge problem there. It can't just switch and off. The, and, but the muscles just no. sit like this on yeah. the
2: side and so they can go twitch, twitch, twitch. So no, no, they don't roll back at all.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I never dream says MRP mm. ever. Mm. There are people who just never dream.
2: I don't dream. So very, it's very rare for me to wake up in a dream and it's usually with an alarm clock. So if I wake up naturally, mm. I mean I you know I would say the last dream I had was 2 weeks ago and Whoa. the one before that was maybe 3 months ago. Oh, I wish so <laughs> I just no I just don't don't dream so and and the point is that if you're a a good sleeper, and I'm not, I'm not a great sleeper when it comes to falling asleep, but once I'm asleep, I'm solid. So if you're a good sleeper, you don't remember dreams because mm-hmm. those REM periods that are every hour and a half during the night, you just wake up and go back to sleep again. Right. So you don't. you only remember a dream if you wake up in it. So there's a sense that if you have lots of, so patients will come and say, I have lots of dreams and I'm exhausted the next morning because of the dreams. And I go, it's not because of the dreams. It's whatever's waking you up. Like your apnea. In the dreams, like apnea, for example, whatever's waking you up in that dreaming sleep, that's what's creating the the the, the knowledge of the dreams or the experience of the dreams.
0: We'll get into the apnea sure. in a second. But uh, here's Jules, who I think is representative of a lot of people. I'm addicted to sleeping tablets. Mm. Would love to give them up, but I literally don't sleep the entire night. Mm. I don't.
2: So sleeping tablets are an interesting conundrum and and doctors sit in in one of two, two camps. Either you can have as many as you like for as long as you like or I'm never writing them up ever again. And I think the language is is unfortunate when it comes to sleeping tablets. So it's very unusual for people to be addicted to sleeping tablets, in fact, very unusual. So no question addicts use sleeping tablets. they do, but they're mm. addicts, right? And they would use anything. Sure. so so that's not the same thing. But your average person who is taking a sleeping tablet every night is not addicted. I mean they're just not. No one, no, no none of them would go and rob a bank to get the money to go and buy them. <laughs> Does that make sense? Addiction is a a very emotive term and it means something specific. And it means something that there's a compulsive uh, drug seeking. But there's also compromise of your family life, of your business, of your whatever. Right. To continue taking that drug. Right. So I don't think most patients are not addicted. Not to sleeping tablets. They're not addicted. But
0: maybe they're on sleeping tablets and they've lost the ability to to regulate their own sleep.
2: Well, the important thing is sleeping tablets don't treat sleeping problems. So if you have insomnia and you take a sleeping tablet, all it does is pretend it's not there. It's like putting a plaster on it. Right. But underneath there's still a wound. Yeah. I mean, there was a lovely quote from 1987, so a long time ago, where this guy said, the fact that sleeping tablets don't actually treat the insomnia, it should not surprise us that the insomnia comes back if you stop the tablets. (laughs) Right? I mean, that's every medical condition. Everything. If you're taking antihypertensives for high blood pressure no. and you stop taking them, no one's surprised that the hypertension comes back. But no one shames people who are taking hypertensives. You see, you're dependent on that, mm. on that medication. Right. So they're not, they're, are they dependent? Yes. But so is everybody who takes medication for anything. Mm. You are dependent on that medication to resolve that problem.
0: So, what do you do if you're an insomniac?
2: Well, I think the the main thing is you've got to figure out why you have insomnia and what's actually going on because there's multiple types of insomnia. It's not just one thing. Certainly, the most so, for example, you can have delayed sleep phase syndrome, which is not your problem because you're up early in the morning. But people who do late night radio, for example, so they're up till two in the morning, go to sleep at three, sleep till eleven. And then all of a sudden they get a morning gig and they go, I can't like I can't sleep. I can't go to sleep now at nine o'clock in the morning and right. get up at five. I'm like stuck in a time zone over yonder, right? Mm-hmm. How long well, I does mean, it take
0: you to adapt that if, if you so, suddenly start doing a night shift job, for example? So
2: if you it's much easier for us to delay our sleep, much easier than to than to Advance it, it, what we call advance, so bring it forward. Which is why if you travel west to the U.S., for example, it's really easy to get into that time zone. Right. But if you travel east, it's really hard because now you've – so if you fly to Perth, for example, it's it's an easy one because it's six hours. Mm. And now you're trying to go to sleep at your 10 o'clock, except it's actually 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, no. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so – or, or they want you to go to sleep at 10 o'clock, but for you, it's four now, o'clock in the afternoon and you can't sleep.
0: If you are the sort of person who has this irregular sleep or you, you're an insomniac, I mean, mm. let, let's just say that you don't have great sleep, so you mm. don't feel rested mm. and you have a nap in the afternoons. Is that is that helpful or is it actually detrimental? Well,
2: it depends how long that nap is. So if it's a 20 minute, half an hour power nap, it's very useful because it does kind of recharge you for the afternoon. But you, you there's, there's a point at, which it starts to interfere with the night sleep. So I think it's useful to think like I need seven hours of sleep per 24 hours. Okay, So if okay. I have two in the afternoon, then it's only five at night. So we see this in hospital patients, for example. So we know that patients in hospital ICU um, actually get the right amount of sleep, but half of it is now during the day because they're in bed all the time. And because so the lights are on
1: all night and okay. it never yes. stops. So the
0: big question then is what – should we be doing listening to our bodies because we can't people have to work Mm. and the industrial revolution changed the way that we, Mm. that damn industrial revolution industrial (laughs) and, and generally, you know, the idea that, that people need uh, to, to have a work day or a work Mm. week or whatever. Mm. What is the natural inclination for human beings? Because if your body says to you at three in the morning, you need to go to sleep, that's probably appropriate, but it might say to you like the Spanish that you need a siesta in Mm. the afternoons. And if people just listened to that and they and they, they they followed their own rhythms, would they then be rested and happy?
2: Yep, happier, yeah, definitely. So I mean the siesta is is built on on physiology and it's built on biology because everybody has a dip at like two o'clock in the afternoon, so we have this like little dip. and 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 our body temperature drops a little bit in the afternoon. And that's the, the drop in body temperature at night is driven by melatonin and what makes us feel really sleepy. Mm. So there is a sense that we are designed to sleep, have a, have a sleep in the middle of the day, and then and then sleep later at night. And, I mean, the siesta thing is, you know, if you have two hours of sleep in the afternoon, no one goes to bed before midnight or 1 o'clock in the no, morning. No, of course. Mm. Yeah. Because that's part of the 24-hour sleep.
0: And because they, they're lazy
2: and Spanish people hate work. <laughs> yes, <laughs> no, that too, possibly. <laughs> But it's an appropriate time to sleep, you know. So, and uh, the thing is that everybody genetically is is either sits in the middle between, you know, sleeping between 10 and 6, or they're a lark or they're an owl. So, the larks are people who go to bed at nine, get up at five, they're in the gym at half past five, they're like good to go, but they are not the party animals. So, they're party poopers. At nine o'clock, they're going, I'm heading home. The night owls are people who stay up, can stay up very late at night and then battle to get up early in the morning. So, so my, my worst patients are patients who are owls but want to be cyclists as well. Oof. Yeah. So they want to get up at half past four and they come and they go, please can you make me alert at half past four? And I go, listen, I'm good, but I'm not God. Because like you are yeah. designed, you are in, you're just, just biologically designed not to wake up at half past four in the morning that's that's the difficulty
1: i found throughout my life i mean i've i've been in morning radio if you want to call it that for my whole adult life mm. and I'm an owl, mm, and it's just not natural. <laughs> and this is why I cry in the shower in the mornings. Yeah,
2: well, so am I, <laughs> but, but I,
0: I've just got used to it. Yeah. But
2: that's the point. You you can get used to it. So can you override that? Of course you can. Mm. I mean, I'm an owl. I got up at past five every morning for yonkers to get my kids to school. Mm. Right. You know. So yes, you can override it. But it was a magical day when my youngest daughter got a car. And I could sleep late. Oh. It was a very magical day, and <laughs> I prefer. So, my, um, I much prefer going to bed hoppers eleven midnight, mm. and getting up at 6:30, six thirty, you know, quarter to seven. Waking up at that point, and starting patients at nine. That's that's a much happier zone for me than than having than working starting work at eight, for mm. example.
0: I see a bunch of questions here. This is interesting. How do you create? Uh, okay, this is this is the one. What about night terrors and sleep paralysis? A real nightmare. So that's you. You hinted at that earlier, mm. but we, but sleep, night uh, night terrors.
2: Yep. So so what <clears throat> we, when we when I said there were two types of parasomnias, you only spoke about the REM sleep yes. ones. <laughs> okay. The other ones that come from this very deep, physically restorative sleep, are sleepwalking, sleep talking, night terrors. Then when we started using sleeping tablets, particularly Zolpidem, we created sleep eating and sleep texting and sleep sexing and a whole bunch of other things that started to come up with, with, medica- with a particular medication. So sleep eating is, is, a, is a good one. So you go to sleep and there's a block of cheese in the fridge. And when you wake up the next morning, there's no block of cheese in the fridge, but there's a packet in your bed that's empty. That's sleep eating. And the, the traditional thing about all of these disorders and night terrors and sleepwalking fit into them is that there's no memory of the event. So it happens in the middle. of It's almost as though sleep parts and this you get stuck in this twilight zone. Ooh. Traditionally, you come from a very deep sleep and get woken up and then get stuck in the middle. And you just kind of sit in a circle there. And how don't,
0: long does that go on for?
2: Oh, it can go on for quite a while. I, I mean people is, have got up, sorry, people yeah. have got up from their bed and walked, you know, to a window and climbed out of a window and fallen out of three-story windows and smacked glass panes with their with their hands. And so you know that people have injured themselves and injured mm-hmm. other people as well in, in these kind of kind of events because you don't know what you're doing. And if you wake somebody up who's asleep, so there's this tradition you'll you'll kill somebody if you wake them up in their sleepwalk. You know, you won't kill, you just confuse them horribly because they sit there and go, what's happening? Like, why am I standing in the passage? Um, But they have no memory of what they've done and there's no dream, there's no actual drive for it, if that makes sense. So they're not going, oh, I was dreaming that I was walking here and now I'm walking. There's no dream content. Hmm. The night terrors are really scary because they happen in little children and they usually sit up in bed and just scream. Scream and scream. And if parents go in and try to console them, try to pick them up, they fight them off. There's like this demon. you So know? that's when yeah. they think
0: their the little shit's possessed. Yes, exactly. Mm.
2: And then they'll scream, and the parents sit there and go, Well, but there's nothing we can do. Like we just stand and watch there and they wait that it can go on for five minutes. And it's long really long five minutes, and five minutes ends, and then they just stop and f- go back to sleep, and the parents just go, what just happened? Yeah, Like they just look at <laughs> each other, what? what just happened?
0: And the child is not aware of this when They're they not wake aw- up later.
2: No, in the morning they have no idea it's happened. Jeez. Not a clue. <sighs> Same and, thing with sleepwalking. They don't and know. this is how, because I've never
1: understood when uh, someone in court, you know, watching a documentary or whatever, says, I don't remember committing that crime mm. or committing that murder. I've never believed it.
2: Mm. Mm. And
1: now I th- think I do.
2: Well, I think in the middle of the night there are, um, and there's a couple of cases um, that have gone through the courts in Canada particularly where they've looked at people who have got up in the middle of the night, mm. done things, and actually there have been homicides mm. that have occurred in the middle of the night. And it's it's been a long process to kind of, say was were they actually aware of what they were doing um, because there's two components so there's firstly the sleep the the you know sleepwalking and that kind of thing which traditionally we talk about sleepwalking and sleep talking and night terrors and they're all nice discrete little things but i mean humans don't work like that so they're often kind of smushed together mm. and you can have them what's called a complex um parasomnia where you have multiple of these put together um, but also, you have a thing called sleep inertia, which you definitely have in the morning when you wake up. There's this feeling like you're you're up, but your whole body and brain is taking a while to catch up to you. And then, and sleep inertia can last. Certainly, your 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 mind as to what you're thinking can take if you it's a very deep sleep, 20 to 30 minutes to mm-hmm. actually really get what's, uh... where you're in touch with what's going on. Yeah. Yeah,
0: there are a couple of questions about these sleep trackers that people wear. Yeah. Uh, do, do you think that things. those are quite mm. accurate?
2: So it's it's an it's difficult because there's not a lot of work that's looked at how accurate they are. You actually would need are. an
0: electroencephalogram to exactly.
2: Ready. So that's always the gold standard that we go: how good are they at at doing that? But what I, what they're most useful for is tracking within one person. So if there's an error, then the error is constant. And so you can tell if you're sleeping better and you're sleeping worse because you're around your normal, but they're not bad. I mean, Mm. the the Fitbits uh, are are better. The Aura ring is the best one, which is the ring that fits around your finger. Um, But the Fitbits are not bad. I Mm. mean, they're kind of, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes out on slow wave sleep and REM sleep, which in the context of eight hours is really not... Pretty good. Is not not that bad. And
0: temperature the temperature of a room you hmm. sleep in what is ideal
2: it's ideal for you okay i mean oh, okay. it's because i've heard it's this a, i've heard no yeah. oh,
0: you have to sleep at 18 degrees
2: yeah, yeah 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 so there's so the the thing about temperature really revolves on that change in body temperature that happens when you when you go to sleep so we produce melatonin Um, when it's dim light, so when the light starts to fade, we produce melatonin and melatonin drops your body temperature and then it stays low for the whole night and then it comes up in the morning at your natural wake-up time. So there's this very control. So melatonin controls the timing of your sleep, when it starts, when it stops. That's what melatonin does. And so there's been a lot of things that have been tried to improve the melatonin effect. So, for example, it's often the Where is it produced? In the pineal gland, so within the within the brain. Right in
0: the middle of the head.
2: Mm, right in the middle of the head. And and Is that
0: the pineal gland's primary function? Pretty much. Yeah.
2: yeah. I'm sure there are other functions no one's really bothered. But I mean, I don't yeah, know but I mean and that's fascinating because it's, it's big, this
0: one little place that yeah. controls such an important part of yeah. our of our schedule. Yeah. Of our, you know
2: And it's controlled by light. So, you know, the, the light that comes in through the eyes will switch it off. And then when the light fades in the evening, then it starts to be produced.
0: Well, it's funny. The The question about the sleep trackers was from prineal. Uh Not <laughs> Pineal, but Prineal. Oh, prineal In the comments, yeah. Uh, but,
2: but what I was saying about temperature as well is that pe- that's why people have hot baths and hot showers, because what you do is raise the body temperature. And then as the body temperature is dropping, you tend to feel sleepy. Mm. So it's not the high temperature that works. It's the… It's the dropping afterwards.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that's why you feel sometimes sleepy after a bath. Yes, after a bath. After a bath yeah. And and what about these people who take cold plunges in the morning? Is that I, a good way to wake up?
2: Well, yes, it'll wake you up. Will I ever do it? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Just a
1: normal swimming pool is cold enough, thank you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: Well, uh, there also these questions about uh, THC and these uh, the oh, cannabis CBD drops and, and mm, yeah. Mm, so mm. do those help? Are they good? Would you recommend them? Do you think that that's a, a, a wacky uh, nonsense pseudoscience?
2: So the, it's, it's not a pseudoscience. So can, cannabinoid research and cannabinoid use for medicine is not a pseudoscience. So there is, but there's just not enough evidence mainly okay. because it's illegal to do the studies in right. most, in most countries in the world. So it's difficult to do the studies. So we do know that cannabis is very good for pain and it's very good for anxiety Um, And cannabis itself, so dacha, actually will help you fall asleep because of the THC component. But we also know that um, chronic cannabis users, for example, chronic dacha users find it extremely difficult to get off cannabis because of the impact it has on sleep. So the kind of the information we have is it takes 45 days once you've stopped smoking dacha for your sleep to come back. So you get massive insomnia, lots of nightmares. It's a really bad withdrawal symptom that you have with cannabis. CBD itself tends to help with anxiety and helps with pain. So if you have insomnia or sleep difficulties because of pain, then they work. Mm -hmm. But the official line is that currently there's no good evidence that CBD oil works for any specific sleep disorder. There's what they call tantalizing evidence, but it's not, enough mm-hmm. to say yes it does something. I mean restless leg syndrome is one of the disorders that I deal with a lot and and patients often discover through the process of trying to fix this that dacha works really well. Hmm. Okay, with for restless legs, but CBD doesn't. So there's an and remember we've got 40 cannabinoids in dacha. It's sure. not just CBD and right, THC. Right, so you got to figure out
0: what each of those does. There's a whole does. bunch. Yeah. I mean
2: there's one of them dronabinol, which has been shown in some patients to improve sleep apnea. Goodness me.
0: Well, <clears throat> this gives us yep. an intro because Leanne has a sleeping Jesus. It's this huge contraption yes, that she puts on. it's not on. a
2: huge contraption. <laughs> <No>. It is. <laughs> she
0: looks ridiculous. She brought it in one morning and we had to, like, people were logging on from Uzbekistan to see this weird apparatus that she had. And and she looks like a science fiction monster when she wears Darth it.
2: Darth Vader. It's a Darth Vader. Thing. And yeah. this is
1: just to help her breathe at yeah. night so she doesn't or die. Or to help me not, because I stopped breathing. Yeah. Um, every few seconds. But
2: I think it's important to, to – you you don't stop breathing. I mean, I think it's important for the language because I've had to kind mm. of re- correct my language because and, – and that's what people think apnea is, that you stop breathing. And it's kind of sinister to think that mm. you go to sleep and you just trust your brain to, like, keep you alive yes. for the whole night and it might not, might stop breathing. You should breathing. be
0: concentrating, yeah. oh, my God. <laughs> so
2: your brain doesn't stop breathing. But what does happen is that the airway collapses. yes. And yes. so – and even when you have apnea when you have an apnea and the throat kind of collapses at the back and there's no snoring and it's very super quiet if you look at the chest the chest is still trying to breathe mm. so the kind of breathing control in the brain is working really well it's just it's a similar concept to having a hose pipe on a tap and if the water pressure's there and everything's fine and someone keeps standing on the end yes so it's 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 that you stop moving air i think is the, is the ease, is the is the more correct way to talk and about and then there's apnea. the
0: so she's just undisciplined
2: the,
1: the kind of <laughs> the trauma that you go through when you when you do eventually start <gasps> breathing in again oh,
2: yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah and
1: waking up from that I mean it's something so just to go backwards a little bit mm. um I was experiencing jaw pain mm. and that I was mm. told was bruxism mm-hmm. and that I was told was because of the apnea. Mm-hmm. And that I was told could be helped with Botox into the jaw muscles mm. and temp- temporal muscles. You're just a disaster. It's just like one after the other. Like but it's amazing how you, for for such a long time, I was saying to family family members and friends, I feel like I'm dying at night. Mm. I feel like I'm going to die.
2: Yeah. And, and no one
1: understood. Issue.
2: But I think it, if you if you're a single person and you don't have mm. a bed partner, yeah. then you don't know you have apnea. That's it. You honestly don't. You have all of you can have random symptoms. So there's very key symptoms of sleep apnea, and that is you wake up tired. No matter mm. how much sleep you get, you wake up tired. But what we do is we kind of go, oh, maybe I'm stressed, maybe I'm working too hard, maybe it's menopause, maybe it's this, maybe it's – I mean, we just go through a whole lot of reasons as to why we might wake up tired. And then, unfortunately, what happens is that that normalizes. And we go, okay, this is normal. And then you'll get an extra tired piece and you go, oh, no, I'm tired. And on, once, once we see patients with sleep apnea, they honestly have no idea what it feels like to wake up feeling good in the morning anymore. They sure, just, they so just don't know. It's a, it's a big surprise. So, so, so,
0: when so what do you do? Do you go to a sleep clinic and you actually… It is
2: important to have a diagnostic study. But, the, I mean, everywhere in the world now, those studies are done at home. Because it's it's much simpler, it's much cheaper, and it's much faster to get it done. And you sleep better because you're not you're not. Well, sleeping that's the thing. I mean,
1: plan. like my test was in a shopping center overnight in a bed, mm. and <laughs> firstly, I knew there were cameras on me. I'm mm. wired up. Um, I haven't had my normal f- couple of glasses mm. of wine before I go to sleep. I've just mm. eaten my dinner in a shop window with people walking past doing their window shopping. Yeah. And I know that this woman's next door watching my every move. Yeah. So now to try and fall asleep, I was like, this thing is never going to work. Yeah. And I felt like I slept for two minutes, but she got the whole test done and all of the results.
2: So, I mean, we need more than four hours of sleep. That's really what we need. And the important thing is that all you have to do is just fall asleep because we're not interested in the wake part of it at all. Once you fall asleep, we go, aha, here's what's happening. And it's really easy to see them. I mean, certainly if you have severe sleep apnea, which is 30 times per hour or more. Yeah, that's what, um, that's what mine if is. If you're in that zone. It's, then I you're think pretty mine's much, 60. Yeah, well, you pretty much start the, minute you start the minute you close your eyes and the minute you fall asleep, boom, they're the apneas. Mm-hmm. And so it's very easy to see them. Um, and so we try to get a good recording because we want to get as much data as we can. So we want to know what happens during REM sleep because it usually gets worse during REM sleep. We want to know what happens when you lie on your back. Because that gives us a treatment option. So if we don't have CPAP as a treatment, I mean the contraption you're yeah. talking about is CPAP. Yeah. If you don't have CPAP as an option and remember that eighty five percent of this of our country has no access to sleep medicine at all because there is none in the public sector. Mm. So, and they can't afford a CPAP machine because we're talking 10,000, 15,000 rand. And they're not on medical aid. So if you don't have that as an option, what do you do about treatment? So we do have patients who have apneas of 25 per hour, which traditionally we would go, you need to be on CPAP. And But if you look at when they're on their back, it's like 50 an hour. Mm -hmm. And actually, if we can get them off their back, then they won't Ah, Because I was going to ask you, the the
0: position, everybody obviously has a more comfortable position they prefer to sleep in. But what do you recommend...
2: Well, you can't recommend because the point is, once you fall asleep, you don't have control. Mm -hmm. Well, so the funny thing is to me, strapping tennis balls to sleep, that works beautifully.
0: Pretty well. I mean, when I do sleep, I sleep Mm. well. Um, But I'm constantly moving around and Mm. I always wake up with like a crick in the neck. Mm. I can't seem to find a sleeping position that bloody well works. Mm. If I could just find that, I'd sleep beautifully.
2: (laughs) So it's a neck position that you need? I think it's a neck. uh, It's a neck position, yeah. it's It's a. It's it, a comfort of the neck. Is so your pillow pill- is I your pillow shaped pillow, like maybe. this? Well, I mean, uh, like
1: a wave, or is it just round? But you
2: do need a proper pillow. I mean, you you do need a pillow that works for you. So I never wake up with a crick in my neck, but I did on 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 Sunday morning after babysitting <laughs> right, of for a concert because I was in a different bed and a different pillow, and right. I woke up and I went, "Oh, that's odd." Like. Not okay, used so, to that kind of crick. So
0: maybe I should try different pillows until I find the try right a one. Try kind
2: of memory foam pillows that actually do support your head properly. Okay. Um, because they, they tend to, they tend to, as I said, give you more support and your neck more support. But it was interesting, you're talking about bruxism and, and jaw pain and things like that. So when you lie on your back, the, the problem is that your jaw moves backwards and creates part of the obstruction. And then your brain kind of goes, no, push it forward. And so it clenches the teeth. And so that's why bruxism is a sign of oh. sleep apnea. Not yeah. in everybody, but in some people, because of the brain trying to keep the jaw in the right place so it doesn't fall back. And that gives us another treatment option. So, I mean, mouth taping is the is the easiest way to manage the jaw thing. doesn't always work for everybody, but I've got patients who've gone from moderate sleep apnea down to mild sleep apnea just by mouth taping. Hmm. So the tennis ball in the back works brilliantly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't use a tennis ball. I use a... Um, I'm saying in treatment, I use a practice golf ball, the ones with holes in them. Mm. And then we sew that into the back of whatever you're wearing in between your shoulder blades so that when you move over onto your back, um, it's uncomfortable and you just keep moving. So a lot of patients go, i never sleep on my back. I only sleep on my left or my right-hand side. I go, so how do you get from your left to your right-hand side? <laughs> like, what happens in the middle? <laughs> you've got to be on your back unless <laughs> right. you're going over your tummy, which is r- a bit bizarre. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you, you do sleep on your back, and then often you go on your back, and if you have a lot of apneas there, it's, you're just on your back for five minutes. And I kind of think the brain kind of goes, nope, that was a bad idea. <laughs> like, mm. Let's move off. I'm dying. I'm yeah. dying here, you know? Yeah. So move over on, onto the other side. So. There are other treatments for sleep apnea. Mm. Um, I mean, weight loss is obviously one because yeah. if you increase weight, you're increasing here. ENT obstruction, so in children who have sleep apnea, and they do, 95% cure rate if you take out the adenoids and tonsils. Mm. You know, so there are other ways – to treat sleep apnea. What
0: about something Leanne said just now about her glass of wine or bottle mm. of wine or whatever it might be? Mm. How much was it? It was a lot. Oh, at least. Yeah, so <laughs> alcohol obviously has a detrimental effect on sleep. Well,
2: anything that's going to relax the muscles further than they're already relaxed is going oh, to really? make it worse, yes.
0: Muscle relaxing is yeah, the Yeah, so part, the issue. I mean,
2: part of the reason why we get apnea is because we just age, right? And so that throat just becomes floppier mm. on the inside. And so the muscle tone is not great anyway. And then when we go to sleep, and particularly in REM sleep, as I said, there's paralysis and that muscle tone is just the dilating muscle tone to open the airway. It's just not there. Yeah, And so much more likely to, to collapse. So anything that will reduce the muscle tone will sedate you. So sleeping tablets fall in the same category that will sedate you. Remember that when when, when you close off the airway, the brain allows that for a certain period of time. And then it kind of goes, oh, we got we, got, we have to stop this. We have to wake up. And then you get that yeah. thing happening, yeah. you know. Um, and then, the, then it opens up. But at, at that time, there's a you pour out adrenaline, mm. your pulse rate goes up, your blood pressure goes up. Often patients wake up, and I say, "Do you ever wake up choking, gasping, yeah. coughing?" And they go, "No," but I do sometimes wake up with a little palpitation. And I go, so that's after the apnea. So there's the wake up and yeah. then the surge of adrenaline. Yeah. And that's uh, and where all the complications get, come from.
0: Well, you won't get back to sleep after that surge of adrenaline. Well, like
2: no. you'd, be, you'd be surprised.
1: Well, it's they, three they, seconds later. They do.
2: <laughs> yeah, they do. They do because they're so exhausted. Yeah, I mean, remember it. that if you close off that airway 60 times an hour, you're sleeping in 10 second, you know, one second bits. Mm. Oof. You know, so your sleep is. Com- God, that trashed. must be horrible. How do you manage?
1: No, it's terrible.
2: No, your sleep is completely trashed. And the sad thing is that most people don't know it's happening. That's it. You know, and so, and it is very treatable. It is very treatable. But unfortunately, you know, the CPAP machine, which works extremely well, mm. and, and, and you know, nobody wants to go to sleep with a mask on their face. They don't. And so everybody does what we call a CPAP titration. So we kind of give you the mask. So my mask, my machine for three days. Like just try it yeah. and then give the machine back. And then usually two days later, patients are phoning us and going, no, I need that machine. Yeah, I yeah. feel awful. <laughs> and my partner always goes like, that's part of our marketing plan. It's like, give it to you, give you, show you a taste of heaven <laughs> uh, yeah. and then take it away again. Yeah. And oh, this, if, definitely... if it,
0: because everybody yeah. knows there's nothing better than good sleep.
2: No, exactly.
0: So but, here's an interesting question. So a food converter says restless penis syndrome is a big sleep inhibitor for him. <laughs> <laughs> but restless leg, is that's a real thing. Oh, yeah. it's a real thing, yes. What happens there?
2: So it's uh, it's in the evening. It only occurs, mainly occurs at night. And it's sitting still. And when you sit still, you kind of go, I have to move my legs. Like they feel weird. And there's nothing there. You look at your legs and you go, there's nothing there. Um, kids are great who have it. So they describe it like Coca-Cola in my veins, okay? Mm. Or my, pull, my muscles are pulling and stretching on their own – or have ants running inside my bones. It's a movement thing. I mean you can visit But a this movement is during inside. sleep. I no, mean, it's when you're awake.
0: Yeah, because I was I have that I tap my awake. foot the whole time and yes. I move my leg the whole time. And, Does and that people, mean I do that in my sleep as well? So
2: you might. Oh. So if we measure, if we if we do manage to get patients with restless legs to keep their legs still and we monitor the muscles, so it's mainly the muscle in the front of your calf that's lifting your the front of your shin, that's lifting your toes up. And if we monitor that, we can see these little electrical impulses coming in every 20 seconds. Hmm. Then, often not enough to create a movement, but they're enough to give you that kind of moving feeling, like there's something moving in my legs. It's coming from the spinal cord. That's where the original problem is. But it's creating this, I have to move. If you move, your legs feel better while you're moving. But when you stop moving and you're at rest again, it comes back. So it can be really destructive to sleep and then when you fall asleep those little twitches those 20 second twitches can happen during sleep as well yes. and then they fragment your sleep so it, honestly the 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 kind of if you again if you if you're single you wake up in the morning feeling tired yeah um, it could be that as well all that, so <laughs> it could be either of those two disorders. Strange that's, creatures we are, really. <laughs> but that's easily treated. So, I mean, that that one is easily treated. There's good medication for it, um, and we treat it. And usually, before it starts, kind of give medication then to stop it even starting, mm. and then it treats the going to sleep and the middle of the night as well. So
0: Thurin says, "What what happens when you wake up with a dry throat? Well, you probably didn't probably drink enough water snoring. or
1: snoring."
2: Snoring. Mm. Is it snoring? It's apnea, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So if it's a consistent thing, so we're supposed to breathe through our nose because our noses don't get dry. (laughs) And no matter how long we breathe through them, that's where the humidification system is and the warming and the hairs to catch bugs and whatever. We're designed to breathe through our nose. If we're constantly breathing through our mouth, that's what happens with, with apnea and snoring. So there's an obstruction and then it becomes much easier to breathe through the mouth and then... Mouth is not designed for for large volumes of air. Hmm.
0: I knew a seventeen year old girl says Mm, who'd fall asleep at any time and wouldn't wake up despite any attempt to wake her up. What is that called?
2: Oh, well, it could be anything. But what so, w- we see, uh,
0: they they take the piss out of mar- narcolepsy in in movies, and yeah. you know, TV yeah. series and all that kind of thing. But. How dangerous is this and what does it actually involve? How much of it is myth and nonsense? It's okay. been made up for entertainment. So, so,
2: again, narcolepsy, very specific condition, quite rare. So, one in a thousand. I mean, we're talking sleep apnea. The modeling study that was done on South Africa says sleep apnea in adults is about 23% of the, so of the population, moderate to severe apnea. Insomnia, most populations, comes in 5 to 10%, okay. like chronic insomnia. Narcolepsy, one in a thousand. So, it's 0.01%. So, it's a very, it's an unusual sleep disorder. And it's to do with um, a a compound called orexin in the brain, which is a neurotransmitter. And just like in type 1 diabetes, you know, somehow all of the cells that produce insulin are just wiped out in the pancreas. The same thing happens here. So young people, all the orexin cells just get wiped out. And then what happens is there's a complete instability of REM sleep. So the narcolepsy presents with the hallucinations. They present with the sleep paralysis. They present with... um, falling asleep during the day, usually quick naps, 15 to 20 minutes, very refreshing, but uncontrollable. Like they cannot not fall asleep. Hmm. And then they present with cataplexy. Now cataplexy is the paralysis of REM sleep happening during the day when when there's a sudden emotion. So usually laughter or anger. And they they can so laughing till you weak at the knees is comes from narcolepsy. Wow! So that phrase because that's what happens. So when they so it's it's kind of if you sit around and you and you listening to jokes and you go ha ha ha," and then there's that one joke like just gets you, and then the narcoleptic potentially collapses to the floor because they lose all muscle tone in the whole body, or they lose it around the jaw, so around the jaw area called bulba, you know, around the jaw, and they kind of go, they kind of go. Can't move my jaw, oh, and geez. they're wide awake when this happens. someone like fainting goats. I'd
0: have, I'd love to have someone like that around. It would be uh, hugely entertaining.
2: Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> it's, do they it's, hurt themselves? They do. No, they do. That's the problem. So with mm, cataplexy, okay. and so, so it's a very specific condition, and we can't treat it. We can't replace the orexin yet. We don't have medication to do that, and so we have to keep them awake during the day. But um, most of them are very well controlled, and they are good. But certainly, you know, that, that comment, a 17-year-old who's sleeping all the time and we can't wake them up, they've got to have an assessment because there's a sleep disorder, right? Mm. We do not I don't know what it is because yeah. it could be anything and it really depends on a much bigger history that we would take from them. Like, is this happening? Is that happening? We often get parents for 17-year-olds to go and watch them sleeping for an hour. and Like, can you see anything that's happening that gives us a clue as to where to go? on this so i mean we do home studies for sleep apnea and then we do full studies so in a, in a home study is very much like an x-ray that like you just yeah. take a standard x-ray and a full study is like an mri like we've got everything like everything we can measure currently um, and then we can see what's what's going on. So there are different types of studies. The one you had was a full mm. polysomnogram where we're doing EGs and all the sleep stages and the legs and the breathing and monitor everything that we can.
0: Derek says in the comments, I like forcing myself to get really, really tired. Yeah. That's the best type of sleep, a well-deserved one.
2: Mm. I think it's really important that you are tired when you go to sleep. I mean, it sounds like no. a bit a bit a bit of an oxymoron. Like, of course you should be tired when you go to sleep. But a lot of people go to bed because it's bedtime. Like 10 o'clock is bedtime. And so they just go to bed. And a lot of the patients they have with insomnia are going to bed at 10 o'clock because it's bedtime, but they're not sleepy. And if you're not sleepy, you're going to battle to fall asleep. That's how sleep works. You're supposed to be sleepy. So you need to create that sleepiness. And the older you get, often the harder it is Mm. to create that because you're not out exercising as much as when you were younger.
0: Is it true that you can actually monitor the brain waves and see what kind of a sleep someone is in?
2: You mean with an EEG? And He's yeah. like absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And,
0: and and how do those different modes of sleep relate to each other?
2: So well there's a very particular pattern that happens at night. So obviously Every night is going to be different depending on what the brain needs. So the brain once as I said all you have to do is fall asleep and then the brain does its thing. Right. And then the brain will go let's have some slow wave sleep now and let's have some stage 2 and let's have some rem and let's kind of sort all of that out. So it's very organized sleep is. There's four stages of sleep. So in 1 n 2 n 3 and then so that's non-rem and then the and rem sleep. So we always kind of go into sleep from stage 1. So we kind of go in it's the stage where you are sitting in front of the TV. And you're snoring, to. yeah, and you're right. just starting to go, but you're not asleep yet. Stage two is like official sleep. And stage two seems to be the background against which the slow wave sleep and the REM sleep happen. So I've been watching, I was watching EEGs. We used to do 500 studies a year, you know, in the sleep lab in Morningside when I was there in the 90s. And I used to look at all of them because that's how we did the analysis. Right. And so I can, I can, you look at the sleep stages and you go, oh, there's stage two. And I can look at it and go, They're about to go into REM sleep, so there's this preparation to go into deep sleep and this preparation to go into REM sleep that happens in stage two. But most of our night is stage two; it's a lighter kind of sleep. Twenty percent of the night should be N3, which is the deep stage of sleep. Now, and twenty percent of the night should be REM sleep, roughly. But if you're pregnant, for example, a lot more stage, a lot more N3. If you do more exercise, more N3 because you need more physical restoration. I mean, most of us are not growing in our sleep, except maybe sideways. But <laughs> we're not growing, but we are repairing. And, and, and so the, the, if you do a lot more breakdown during the day, then you need a lot more repair at night, if that makes sense. But hmm. it's a very controlled thing. So you kind of go into that, and 90, about, about 90 minutes after you fall asleep, you'll have a little patch of REM sleep. Okay, okay? And then you'll have a wake-up. That's the end of the first cycle. It's about an hour and a half to two hours, somewhere around there. And then you go back into the N1, N2, N3. Ninety minutes later, have a bit more REM sleep. Now,
0: my favorite thing is that kind of uh, almost like you're in the twilight zone between sleep and being awake. Mm.
2: What, when you wake up?
0: Well, or when you go to sleep. Or when I you mean, go the, to sleep. I mean, it usually happens to me much more during the day than it does okay. at night if mm. I feel like, you know, like if weekends. you're driving
1: and it's… No, no, no,
0: no, not doing things. No, no, no. I can, I can actually lie there and… You fall into sleep and come out of it, into Mm. sleep and come out of it. It almost Mm. feels sort of dreamy, Mm. but it's the nicest feeling when you're relaxed as hell. Yes. And it's not like a sleep problem. This is you've had all the restorative sleep that you need, but it's almost like a little bonus of kind of just hallucinating a little bit.
2: Yeah. Insomniacs hate that. Because that's what they have at night when oh. they can't get that deep sleep. Okay. So they do that, that kind of drifting drifting in and out um, and not being actually able to fall asleep. And they do it, can do it for hours, hours and hours and hours. It's extremely frustrating.
0: What about the the idea of sound? So, a lot of people in the comments have been talking about how they're, they're testing, you know, white noise mm. in the background, yeah. or well, there's music, all
2: ki- or there's all kinds of color noise. Now, no, pink. It's I a saw bit beyond last night. me. It's a bit beyond and, me. I haven't investigated. Do you that. think there's
0: anything to it?
2: Well, the thing about falling asleep is often if you have, if you're a thinker, and I don't mean to imply that some people aren't thinkers, but some people just have this internal dialogue that's mm. going on in the, in their heads. It's very difficult to shut that off. Yeah. Okay. And you need to be distracted from it. And, but some people, so, so some people need to be distracted as in they need to read or they mm. need to meditate before that sleepiness comes up because otherwise they just keep going. So some people need to be distracted. Other people are too distracted when they're trying to fall asleep. So they're lying there and they go, oh, the fridge has just gone, you know, the fridge, like, yeah. Does it? Yeah, and oh, the fridge has just gone off, and I can't sleep. And there's a twitch, and there's a twig, and there's a noise, mm-hmm. and so white noise or any kind of noise really fulfills two functions. Firstly, it can distract you. So some people say they fall asleep easily with a podcast or whale sounds, or there's a yeah. lot of calm sure. apps, you know, that will give yeah. you some noise,
0: the sound of rain, so
2: that yes, so that you can listen to that, and if you listen to that, it makes it easier to fall asleep because you've just, you're distracted. And other people use white noise to stop them hearing. That's it, yeah. All kinds of other stuff, so which also helps them fall asleep because they get too distracted by the by the random noise. Yeah, that's always there.
1: I think for me that's also a difficulty. I have ADHD, and the internal dialogue is it's 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 loud. Yeah, it feels like it's hurting my ears. Yes, and um, for that I've got to have the fan on. Mm. Um, so that's it, the white noise. Yeah, yeah in order to f- to fall asleep, to yeah. try and stop what that. About, what
0: about uh, drinking water? Because people, uh, yeah, you have to have some water next to your bed in case mm. you get thirsty. This is a physiological thing. It's got nothing to do with yeah. sleep maybe. But peeing and waking up in the middle of the night and all that kind of thing, mm. to go and pee is irritating to some people. And it, it doesn't get in the way of their
2: sleep. It is. And it does, particularly in older men. So when prostate problems start to become an issue, then they do find they're often up at night. Um, but it, th- those wake ups are likely to happen in our natural wake up times. So, at the end of that ninety minutes, so your sleep is usually fine because mm. you've you've had those ninety minutes. And if if that's when you wake up during the night, so we're often going to say like wake ups are normal. And 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 if if you if you take sleep, so say you need to sleep for six or seven hours, but you go to bed for ten what the brain does is separate your sleep into those pieces and now you're going to have, those wake-ups are now going to no. be half an hour long because the brain's got four hours, you know, three <laughs> hours to play with. Yeah. That's, what, that's what patients with insomnia do. It's the single worst thing they do is when they battle to sleep, they go, well, let me go to bed earlier. Like, maybe that'll help. No, it won't actually help at all. It makes it worse. Now you're lying in bed for longer trying to sleep. That never works anyway, just lying in bed trying to sleep. That doesn't work and now you're doing it for longer. Um, so, so that's you can you can see those gaps and you can create much bigger gaps. I mean, I think it's important that only when we kind of got light, like gas lights or anything, did no. we have any control over overnight. And some literature from you know old England kind of indicates that we went to bed, we got home from the fields because everything was practical work washed, had English tea, which was just a sandwich and a cup of tea, and went to bed because we were exhausted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Slept for like three, four hours, which is what we call core sleep, and there's a natural break after three or four hours of sleep. Got up, stoked the fires, had dinner, had community time for mm-hmm. a couple of hours, went back to sleep at two. And nobody in that time panicked about, oh, am I going to get enough sleep? Am I going to worry? No. Because it was normal. It was normal to do that. You would be up to create that sleepiness again, and then you'd get your other sleep and wake up at dawn. So this idea that nope, we never slept for 12 hours. Before. So
0: you want two sleeps.
2: But that's not, but that's the point. So the thing is, if you, if you go to bed and you'd spend too long in bed, it's going to separate back into what it was.
0: Right. <laughs> and we're trying to force the square peg into a round hole. That well,
2: damned ne-
1: industrial revolution. <laughs> Again, <laughs> not
2: necessarily that, because I think it's useful to have that. But I often wonder, like what the family interaction would have been once everyone had had three or four hours of sleep. Much
0: better. <laughs> in the
2: middle Probably of the night. Probably much better because
0: nothing worse than being tired. You're grouchy well, and grumpy. Exactly. and yeah. So when you are tired and, and you really are exhausted and you find yourself falling asleep in meetings and things, which happens to me all the time, is that because you haven't got the required sleep, so there hasn't been the restorative stuff, the, the body's exhausted, mm. it needs to recover? How much of that can you take?
2: Do mean how much can I mean, you take?
0: You know, it's a kind of torture to not be able to sleep.
2: Yes, oh, so it
0: is. so so what? How how?
2: But that's why people end up taking sleeping tablets because they kind of go, I have to get some sleep, and I cannot get it myself. I, I just don't know why I can't get it. And, I mean, as I said, there are multiple reasons why you might not be able to get it. But I can't get it myself. I need something to help me sleep.
0: What's the longest a person can stay awake before they actually start to physiologically deteriorate well, beyond sleep? Well,
2: we see it every time there's a Guinness World Record <laughs> that's done <laughs> because they get five minutes rest per hour. And they usually consolidate that into sleep, like take two hours of sleep. And within four or five days – they're seeing spiders and hallucinating and not functioning properly. Mm. So it's, it's not long. It's one of those absolute requirements that the brain has. And if you don't, and, and if you don't get enough sleep or mm. you get poor quality sleep and they present the same way and that you're just going to feel tired during the day or sleepy during the day, um, then, then it starts to compromise you because when you sit still, your brain's kind of going, great, we can sleep. Right, and but you kind of go. But I'm driving a car. Like maybe we shouldn't sleep now. So that's the that's the, yeah. the the concern. And people kind of go, No, I've never fallen asleep driving in your in my car. And I go, Yet, because the first time you do may be the last. Mm. Right. I mean, potentially that is that is what we're talking about. We are talking about people traveling at 120 k's. Yeah, on the highway. Well, I often
0: think that they the cops will. I've had this discussion so many times with people who say, "Well, drunk driving is so dangerous." And I go, "Yes, but sleepy driving mm. is even worse."
2: So there was an interesting if you're study. You're tired, which is, and they can't yeah. pull you
0: over and attach an EEG to your no, brain. No, they so, can't. That's... Well, I can see that you're really tired. You shouldn't be no, driving. There's
2: no objective measure. That's mm. the point. It's not like alcohol. But a really interesting study done in 1980s. Which can't be done, which was never been done before again, looked at what the comparison was between functioning when you when you haven't slept and alcohol. Mm. And so they woke people up and then they ramped they gave them alcohol and worked out that after twenty one hours of being awake, you are functioning at the legal limit of alcohol. Okay? Mm. So to put it in perspective, wake up at six in the morning, at three the next morning, you are legally drunk. Right. Even if you had any alcohol. And I don't know anyone who's on the roads at 3 o'clock in the morning that hasn't had alcohol as well.
1: Yeah,
0: that's also <laughs> true. Saying.
2: So you are over, even if you legally measure under the legal limit of alcohol, you're functioning way over that. And that's and that's the problem with sleep deprivation.
0: I can't believe we've been talking to you for an hour because there's so many other questions that, are, that have come up. But I, this always happens when we have you on. Yep.
2: So, sorry but Sleep's super it's, interesting People are. Yeah. Yeah, it is really,
0: really interesting And, and uh, they're not, as you said, a lot of people who've been uh, as well versed in this as you have over the years So are there more people coming to the sleep uh, side of, of medicine?
2: Doctors-wise, yes, it's, they're starting to come, yes But yeah. it's, it's, it's been a hard road You were, ahead of, the, you were ahead of the curve <laughs> I didn't even know there was did a thing. Did, <laughs> did they think you were a bit wacky when
0: you wanted to study this stuff?
2: Well, yeah, they did. I mean, because it was like, it isn't a field. And I go, okay, because it's not a specialty. It's still not a specialty, right? And I still sit in the zone where I'm a general practitioner, actually, Yeah. but apparently super specialized because I only do yeah. sleep, you know. And I kind of go, this is crazy. Like, psychiatrists send me their patients and neurologists send me their patients. And I kind of go, you guys should know this, shouldn't you?
0: Mm-hmm. Like,
2: I feel like... <laughs> There's <laughs> so, so still, much about
0: the brain we still don't know.
2: Yeah, but I, so I still have a bit of imposter syndrome. But I fortunately, I've got over most of that because mm. you have you have to get over it. Otherwise, you, you just sit there and pretend you're a shrinking violet when you're actually not.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I keep
0: seeing these these bits of pop psychology you know about how many hours of sleep you need and how many these great people from history mm. used to have and the, we don't their the daytime routine yeah yeah, yeah yeah whether they woke up early or late it doesn't seem to make very much there isn't a pattern
2: no if you're looking at successful people and how they sleep there isn't a there isn't a pattern. It's certainly true that if you only need four or five hours of sleep, you get a lot more done <laughs> that's true, <laughs> okay. Get a lot more done, and if if you are in, in in a business, then you you will do better because you have an extra three hours a day, yeah. and you will work. I mean, because that's your drive, right? But um, but there's no but there's no sense of oh, every everybody who's successful has always been this, or has always yeah. been an owl, or has always been a a lark, or yeah. Uh,
1: and also, I think it's important not to punish yourself if you do need those extra hours of sleep. And every night, mm. it's important to, to not to say you know. Um, it's okay. I don't, it doesn't mean that I'm not intelligent or that I'm not capable no. or that I'm not driven.
2: No, no, no. I mean, uh, quite the opposite. I mean, Einstein was a famous nine-hour uh, night sleeper. So he was a very long sleeper. And, I mean, studies done in kids show that the, the smart kids are the ones that sleep longer, that sleep better. Um, certainly, that's that doesn't match. It does, so it's not an intelligence-based thing. Mm. It's more you just have time. You just yeah. have more time, so you can write that book because you have extra time. Yeah. you know that that kind of thing more than more than intelligence. I mean, we because we know that intelligence is not necessarily linked to success. You can be super yeah. smart and, and super poorer. useless. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Um, th- or you there was can a- be
2: super smart and a serial killer. I'm just saying a very, there's a
0: very funny comment earlier that made me think um, all this talk of sleep makes me sleepy mm. yeah I want to go and have a nap now
2: so so I <laughs> I see patients you know for a full day and when I start at 9 and by half <laughs> past 11 I'm yawning because <laughs> <laughs>
0: not just you
2: It's I suffer through the day if, particularly if yeah. I haven't slept well I suffer through the day because we talk about sleep all the time
0: oh my god and
2: yeah for like 8 hours a day talk about sleep yeah know I get super sleepy <laughs>
0: Well, thank you for telling us all of this stuff because it's really, it's invaluable. And um, I do think we've, again, only scratched the surface of all the mm. stuff that you, you could be telling us. Amazing, amazing stuff. Thank you. Dr. Alison Bentley, sleep expert. What a pleasure to have you here. Great pleasure. Mm. And we will see you again soon. Yep. And the, the rest of us must get some sleep. But yep. not now. Not right now. Our day has just begun. <laughs> oh, <it is> just <laughs> all right. We will see you tomorrow at 6 a.m. Cheers, everybody. Bye-bye. Cliffcentral.com.